0: I'm Teresa Couture, and this is the Embodied Black Girl Podcast, a podcast about decolonizing our imagination, envisioning a new earth, and getting free together. Welcome, welcome, welcome back, beautiful one, or welcome for the first time, if this is your first time joining us for the podcast. I'm so honored to have you here. I really consider these conversations sacred and precious. So thank you for listening. So I have some exciting news to share to kick us off with is that we just got word that the Embodied Black Girl Podcast has made the top 50 list of podcasts in South Africa. I was floored. I did not even know folks in South Africa we're listening to this. So, thank you so much for listening. We also found out that the podcast is in the top 150 list in the US and Canada and the top 250 list in Ireland. It's like, wow, 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 wow. I mean, there are millions of podcasts out there. So, to just think that. So many of you are listening to this one and choosing to have these conversations that hopefully create a ripple impact in your lives and your relationships and communities. It really touches me to my core. And this was all in the category of mental health. So I'm I'm just so honored. Thank you. Thank you for, for listening, especially since we're only a few episodes in. So I can't wait to just continue and deepen together. So today uh, my guest is Avian Whitney. However, before we dive into the episode, I do want to share that I was inspired um, simply because Avian birthed their book baby in the world recently. If you're listening to this in real time, it was only a couple of days ago. So congratulations to Avian for birthing their book baby. I'm so, 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 you know, happy and for Avion and for all of us because we get to really deepen our connection with our sensual selves. So because of the book launch, and also I'm going to be hosting a brand new uh, planning, 2022 planning workshop at the top of 2022. I was like, This is the perfect combo. Let's do a giveaway. So, we're doing a giveaway today. So, I'm giving out one copy of Avion's book. So, one person is winning one copy, and then one person is going to win a copy of Avion's book and also a ticket to this top of the year planning workshop. And the title of the workshop is so juicy. It is called Decolonial Visioning. And this is all about visioning our year from a place of intuition and intention, and we're going to do it in community. It's going to be so good. So there are going to be two winners. One person is going to win a copy of Avion's book, and another person will win a copy of the book, as well as a ticket to join us for that live workshop happening in January of 2022. So, to win, all you have to do, or to enter to win, all you have to do is to leave a five-star written review with just simply how this podcast has impacted you and your life, what's resonated for you um, on Apple Podcasts. And um, if you want a bonus entry, you can tag me on Instagram, either at embodied black girl on Instagram or at Therese at Instagram. Um, share your post or tag me um, in a story so that you can get a bonus, a bonus entry. So that's, that's what we're doing today. So my first giveaway, I'm excited, first giveaway for, um, for the podcast. So if you want to join and possibly win these amazing prizes, Then all you have to do is leave a five star review. If you leave a five star review, you will automatically be entered. And for a bonus, tag me on Instagram um, for a bonus entry. So I am so thrilled to be having this conversation with Evian. And, you know, my work lies. At the center, at the intersection of embodiment and social justice and liberation and so much more, spirituality. And I really wanted to talk to someone who really has been doing the work around sensuality and sexuality, because this is a topic that is so often taboo, especially for Black women, Black femmes, Black non-binary and gender non-conforming folks. It's such a taboo topic, and there are so many labels and stereotypes that are put upon us. um, And I really wanted to bring someone who would help dismantle that? And Evian is someone that I have been following their work for a hot minute, like literally, it's been over a decade. Evian is one of the original OGs on the internet along with me and and some other folks, like when no one was using the internet to like share their stories and their voice and their message. So I've been following them for a while and know that they have been doing the work. And I'm really so excited to share this conversation with you um, because at the end, Evian shares a beautiful practice that's kind of like it is our homework (laughs) that we can really take into this season. So without further ado, I'm going to let you listen to the medicine of this conversation. I hope you enjoy it. Oh, hi, Evian. I am so, so, so grateful to have this conversation with you. Thank you so much for being here on the Embodied Black Girl podcast.
1: Ah, Therese, thank you so much for having me. I'm really thrilled to be in space with you today, and I'm looking forward to
0: this conversation. Me too. Me too. Um, Before we pressed record, um, I was just sharing how I believe I've been yeah yes I have I've been following Evian's work since like the beginning like years ago sex love liberation (laughs) website like the first website (laughs) bless you for that (laughs) and um it's just been so wonderful and beautiful to watch your evolution and your journey um Mm. So I've been able to have that seat. So I just wanna give you the opportunity to share about yourself, your name, the identities you lead by and a little bit about who you are, what you do. Yeah,
1: thank you. And thank you so much for sticking with me for so long. Um, I've been through so many transitions and transformations in the time that I first started. So I'm always very pleased and honored when people uh, choose to grow with me as I grow and transition mm. in my own work. So thank you. Um, but yes, my my name is Evian Whitney. Um, I am a sexuality doula and a sex educator. Um, I occupy many, um, uh, what, what do I wanna say? Intersections within my identities. Um, I am non-binary. I am um, on the ace spectrum. What am I, what else am I today? I I am, (laughs) um, I am black um, and you know, all all of those things really inform the work that I do. Um, Other things, I am a survivor. Um, And I am also in this really interesting space in my work where I'm diving very deep into trauma healing and um, what it looks like for me to not just have more literacy around what trauma does, what trauma is, how it affects the the body, the nervous system, but also about how it affects me and how it shows up in my body. And um, yeah, all of those those intersections, all of those little pieces uh, that make up who I am define and really inform the work that I do. So, and that changes, you know, I, I do a lot of interviews and people are asking me, you know, who are you? How do you identify? And I'm realizing that it really depends on the day. Some days it's like, I am these three things. Sometimes it's like, I am these eight things. So yeah, that's that's who I am today.
0: Yeah, thank you for sharing that. I, because I can totally relate to feeling like, oh, it actually depends on the day. The thing that is more that like more prominent or forward or top of mind. And, Mm. you know, that's also speaks to the systems that we live in, the capitalism that kind of forces us to commodify ourselves and that, you know, commodification is like a box, right? It creates this box of like, you can only be this thing. And if you step anywhere outside of this thing, you're outside of your quote unquote brand. So, yeah. So thank you for, for sharing that. Um, So the name of this podcast is Embodied Black Girl. So embodiment is something that we talk about. So I want to open up with that question. What does it mean to be embodied for you?
1: Mm, That's such an excellent question and something I've been thinking about a lot in my work as I, you know, as I said before, I've been diving deep into trauma, the ways that trauma holds, um, systems in my body. And, um, one thing that I'm realizing as I continue to explore this is that embodiment is about being fully in my body. And, um, And I think before I I would have thought that embodiment, like before I started doing this, this deeper work, I would have thought that embodiment or being embodied means that you're fully in your body and you are in a happy state. You know, you're, you're fully connected to the pleasure sensations of your body and the feel good experiences that you're having. And your mind is right. um, Which I think that that can be an aspect of, of embodiment. But lately I've been exploring what it looks like for me to, be in my body and not abandon myself. And I feel like that's what embodiment is, that it is when I'm embodied, I am fully in my body. I'm fully in my sensations, my thoughts, my feelings, my emotions, even if it's anxiety, (laughs) even if it's insecurity, and I'm in union with myself. Um, That to me is, is what it means to be embodied.
0: Oh, I just, I love your, your definition because that's something that we talk about a lot. And actually that's, um, you know, so many people do think to be embodied is just to be in the state of like pleasure and bliss and joy mm-hmm. all the time. <laughs> and it's actually not to be embodied is to, you know, to feel that full spectrum. So I'm so glad that you, you know, you spoke to that. Um, and I feel like the a good segue to this is to really talk about your work which is around you talk a lot about the sensual self and you have your upcoming book that's also called um your sensual self I believe Mm -hmm. and let's start with what does it mean what does it mean to be connected to our sensual selves or what does our sensual self mean to you? And why yeah. is it important to have this conversation?
1: Yeah, excellent question.
0: Um, I think that before I answer, it's
1: really important to define what sensuality is. And because in, in my work, what I've noticed is that a lot of folks don't really understand what sensuality is, or they have some kind of an idea, but they're not they're not entirely sure, or it just doesn't really fit for them. Like I know for me, the first time I heard sensual or sensuality, it was attached to a woman in a particular state of um, sexual performance. So it was like a woman wearing a low cut top, showing lots of leg, like this idea that sensuality is meant to be sort of consumed by the gazes of other people. That's what makes you sensual. Um, and I... I don't think that there's anything wrong with having your sensuality be consumed or played with uh, by another person. I actually derive a lot of pleasure out of being able to flaunt myself and and show myself off. Um, But that's not all that sensuality is. And one thing that I've realized in the work that I do is that there is such a depth to our ability to be sensual. And so much of our understanding of sensuality has been, um, diluted because of that one sort of definition or understanding of what sensuality is. Also too, um, in my work, I've heard a lot of people say that sensuality and sexuality are intrinsically linked, that to be sensual is to be sexual and to be sexual is to be sensual. And I've even heard of folks using the word sensuality interchangeably with sexuality. And again, I don't believe that there's anything wrong with that, but I do want to offer in my work that like sensuality is its own expression. It's its own definition, it's its own experience and it doesn't necessarily have anything to do with sexuality unless you deem it so. Um, And coming to that realization for me was really powerful because for so long, I thought that my sensuality was just my sexuality. And for someone like me who has uh, had a um, challenging relationship with sex and sexuality, I felt like I wasn't able to fully access my sensuality unless I got my sexual issues taken care of. And um, I'm really happy to be in the spot that I'm at now with my work and my um, with my growth and my journey because now I see that my sensuality stands on its own that. I don't need to engage in sex or orgasm or masturbation in order for me to feel into my sensuality. Um, And so to me, as I like to define sensuality, sensuality is being fully present in your sensual body. So the senses that you have, the experiences and the feelings that are coming through your body, your sensual body, Um, sensuality is about your senses. And one of my favorite ways to think about sensuality is this, um, it's this practice of paying attention with your senses. And in order for us to do that, we have to slow down. (laughs) We have to be in a spot or in a space with ourselves where we can feel into our bodies. We can pay attention with our senses. Um, And so for me, the practice, sensuality is not just A thing that you do. It is a practice that you cultivate. Um, It is a ritual that you come to again and again every single day. And that's one of the reasons why I wrote my book, Sensual Self. I really want for folks to experience sensuality on their own terms. Um, There's a lot of information out there about what sensuality is, what sensuality should look like. I'm even thinking about a couple of weeks ago, I was. Doing some stuff on my um, on my website, and I just so happened to type in the word "sensual" because I was looking for some stock photos, and the the images that popped up were so interesting, but not surprising. You know, they were just like pictures of very thin white women with long hair, uh, blue eyes, in lingerie, sucking a lollipop. Like that was that was the definition of what sensuality is, and so I don't look like that. (laughs) That is not, that is not my sensuality. That will never be my sensuality because that is not my body. That is not the way that my sensuality comes through. And so I want for folks to be able to explore what their sensuality is on their own terms, define it for themselves. And in order to do that, that's going to look like us not just intellectualizing the idea of sensuality, like, oh, sensuality has like these traits. And if you do these things, sensuality is meant to be embodied. It's it's meant to be played with. And so through my work, I want to invite for people to be curious about their sensual selves. And um, my book is a really beautiful introduction to this world and creating a practice that, again, defines sensuality on their own terms and have them exploring it In ways that feel really good to them.
0: Mm, That's so, so good. Um, Everything that you shared, um, especially around um, the performance piece and how sensuality and sexuality is often linked. And that's not necessarily the case, but it's like I feel for many, many folks, it's just like whenever they think about sensuality, it's really sexuality right they're just Mm. interlinked and I really love the way that you are making that um, that distinction and Mm. um, one of the things that you you wrote that recently is um, my sensual self is a reminder that no matter who I am or how I'm feeling my body is my own my pleasure is my own And it is my responsibility to stay in union with myself. Mm. And that really made me think about um, self-responsibility. So can you speak a little bit about the importance of self-responsibility in the process of connecting with our sensual selves?
1: Yeah, um, I really appreciate that you pulled that quote because it's something that I've been thinking about a lot lately. Um, I think in in my in my work in terms of you know personally trying to heal and liberate myself from all kinds of systems of oppression that have taught me to keep myself, my body, my sexuality, my gender small. Um, I've been on this hunt to think about the ways that I give my power away to certain systems, um, how those systems of oppression have disempowered me and have led me to believe that I am not enough on my own, that I, I am not allowed to own my body. I'm not allowed to own my pleasure and my sensuality. Um, I'm thinking about, you know, I was raised in purity culture and one of the things that was kind of, um, imprinted on me through purity culture was the idea that your sexuality and your body is something that needs to lie dormant, uh, for Jesus. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then, um, once you meet the right person, uh, specifically a cis hetero man, your body will be activated. Like that, that person will activate your sensuality, your pleasure, your sexuality, your desire within you. And, That's not true, (laughs) you know. um, And I don't want that to be true for me. I want to feel like I am the expert of my own body and my own experience, and that it is literally my responsibility, nobody else's, for me to chase my pleasure, for me to make space for my sensual self to come to fruition every moment of every day. Nobody's going to do this work for me. Um, And in particular, no one has the impetus to do that work in a culture that tells us that this part of ourselves should not be given space to, um, that we should continue to move fast and we should go, go go, and pleasure is not something that we should um, we should prioritize. So it really is on me, you know um, I, I was thinking a lot about at the time when I first started my work, when you, uh, when when it was sex love liberation and my website was just so janky. Oh, so, so glad that there's <laughs> no um, images of that. But I was thinking about how back in the day when I first started doing this work on myself, I, I literally thought that someone was going to give me permission to be this version of myself that I wanted to be like someone was going to hand me the keys to the city and by giving me that permission I would be able to finally access depths of pleasure and bliss and ownership and autonomy and freedom that I hadn't been able to and I think I, I waited a little bit for for that key to be handed to me and I looked for that key in books in mantras in affirmations in teachers And, um, and I'm not saying that those books and those mantras and teachers didn't give those things to me, but the permission that I needed was from myself, you know? And so I think that's what comes up for me around self-responsibility. Like, sis, no one is going to give you the keys to the city. I hate to break it to you. Like you literally have to make the key and you are the one that has to open the door. And I understand why that feels, um, maybe a little daunting because that aspect of responsibility, it means that we're going to have to show up for ourselves. It means we're going to have to stop playing small and waiting around for the right moments to click into our lives so that we can finally be the people that we want to be. And I mean, I'm speaking about this thinking about sensuality and embodiment in mind, but this couldn't really be said to about anything it could be said about our creative lives it could be said about the relationships that we have with with people in our lives that we need better boundaries for like literally no one is going to give you the keys to the city you have to make the key and um to me that's what self responsibility is and and also i want to speak to how i know that you know i said a moment ago that that can be really daunting but that's also really empowering that's also really powerful to say to yourself, oh, it's, it's, it's on me. Like I get to create the life that I want. I get to have the experiences of healing and liberation in my body that I desire. And I get to do that on my own terms, on my own time. I get to define and sort of pioneer my own healing journey. And that's not going to be easy, but I, for one have found a lot of, um, a lot of joy and, um, a lot of gratitude that I've been able to wake up and say, oh yes, <laughs> I'm, I'm waiting for something that's never going to come because I am that person. And I, I have to take initiative and make, make it so that my pleasure is prioritized. The healing of my body is uh, full center that I am constantly in conversation with my partner about consent and safety, that I'm listening to my body at every turn, even when my body is screaming at me to rest, like that it's, it's my responsibility. And I'm I'm 100% devoted to the practice and the work of, of coming back to that again and again.
0: Yeah, there's so much goodness out of a lot that you shared. And, you know, it's, it, it got me thinking about how many folks might feel like they're on a healing journey. And yet, connecting uh, and knowing their sensual selves might really be the last thing on the list. And to me, I find that surprising, but of course I, you know um, it's to be expected based on the ways that we have been socialized. So if someone is like, Hmm, I'm not, I'm not quite sure if this should even be a priority. Why, why should this be a priority? What in your mind man, this is such, there's so
1: many layers to this answer to this question. I mean, it comes back to what I was speaking to a moment ago around self-responsibility. The fact that like, you know, if you want to have a pleasurable life, that it is your responsibility, you have to hold yourself accountable to that, That no one is going to take it from you. I also, I also am thinking about Black folks, and how specifically for Black people, we have this experience of so much pain, and so much trauma, and so much um, so much violence is put upon us on a daily basis in varying degrees, and. How it's easy for us, I think, to only focus on that, like to only focus on the trauma, the pain, the death, the violence, the white supremacy. I don't want to live a life personally where my entire story narrative experience is just those things. Is just the pain of my ancestors, is just the, the toil and tribulation of mm-hmm. working a job that I don't like or being in relationships with people that don't lift me higher. Like I don't want that to be my legacy. And I'm pretty sure that whoever is asking this question of like, why would sensuality and pleasure and taking ownership of your desires be important? I'm pretty sure they want, they don't want that either. And so the reason why I am such a champion of prioritizing our sensual selves, of taking the time, the precious time to learn about ourselves in this way is to shift these narratives that I think a lot of us have internalized either because of our culture that we live in, um, because of the traumatic experiences that we've had both in our lifetime and in the lifetimes that came before us I I don't want for that to be the center of our universe. We, Yes, we've experienced so much pain and and sadness and grief and depression, but we also experience joy. We also can experience pleasure. We can feel other things. And so it it comes back to that responsibility piece where if, if I have a vision for the way that I want to feel in my body, No one is going to give that to me, particularly in this world (laughs) that does not value or uh, prioritize our selfhood, our autonomy, our wellness. It's got to be on me. And if I have a desire for the way that I want to feel in my body, for the way that I want to feel when I'm in pleasure, I want to take that and make that a new legacy you know, I'm thinking a lot about ancestors right now too, um, as, I, as I am chatting with you in this moment, um, my grandfather is transitioning and I've been thinking about him a lot over these last couple of days. And I've also been thinking about my other ancestors as well um, and how their relationship to pleasure and sensuality probably did not look like my relationship to pleasure and sensuality for many, many reasons. And so that's another aspect of this that I like to bring into these conversations is that when you are prioritizing your sensual self, when you are prioritizing your sexuality, your gender identity, your authentic self, you're not just doing it for you. You're doing it for the many people that came before you. And you're, you're helping to sort of teach your ancestors or hold space for your ancestors to know that there is other things possible that it's not just about pain and sadness and depression and trauma and white supremacy, that we can feel other things. And it's it's on us, it's on us to seek that to the best of our ability.
0: Yeah, uh, I love that um, everything that you shared. And I wanna say, I'm sorry about your, your grandfather, my condolences, because mm, it's, it's so difficult, um, you know, that, that brings up just uh, yesterday was one of my aunt's birthdays who passed away. And actually Mm -hmm. tomorrow is the anniversary of one of my um, aunts who passed away. It was the day that she Mm -hmm. passed away. So this season is like, you know, it's the season of ancestors. We're talking in in late October. That's Um, right. So thank you for bringing, bringing that forward and, and really linking it to the importance of sensuality, sexuality, um, pleasure, because a lot of people, I don't think, you know, they make those correlations. And I think it's really important. I mean, I would, I'll speak for myself for me to hear that right now. And, Mm -hmm. um, because in terms of the, The lives that we live right now with technology, so many things are literally at our fingertips. Like we can watch black death and black violence, like, you know, just type it in right away. It's like, it's available to us all the time. (laughs) And so we can get lost in that, in that toil. Like, as you said, we can get lost in that, in that sorrow and forget about, well, our ancestors didn't fight and for us to, to be in that sorrowful place for mm-hmm. our entire lives. And thank mm-hmm. you for really bringing that forward. Um, yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. And my condolences go out to you. You know, there's, there's something about this time of the year, October, like the last parts of October that just feels really um, rich with so much, you know, and, and I'm, I'm feeling that too. I'm feeling, I'm feeling very heavily uh, my ancestors coming through. And, um, and it's also, it's not just, it's not just pain. You know, when I think about my grandfather transitioning it's like, there's joy there, you know, Mm -hmm. that he, he gets to, he gets to leave this broken body. And he will be welcomed into the ancestral realm with so many people that I know and don't know. And so there there is joy there as well. Um, yeah, this this is it's such a it's such
0: a weird time. It's such a strange time. Yeah, and and the thing is you'll have an ancestor, right that you can yeah. call upon um, and pray for and and so many things be in relationship with too. Yeah. and I think you know, one of the things my, my dad passed away many years ago and, um, it was definitely the most, one of the hardest things I've ever experienced, but the beauty in that was finding out that that relationship actually didn't end at that point. Um, and it's something that continues. So thank you for, for saying that and sharing that. So, I want to talk a little bit about, um, you've shared about your journey of, of be identifying as a non-binary person. And I'd love for you to share whatever you feel comfortable with of like, what's been your process in that journey? And I asked this question because I work with many folks who have um, reclaimed their their identities. Like they, they thought maybe they identified in one way and they, and it wasn't, it wasn't truly who they are. And I just want to speak to folks who might be going through that same journey right now and asking those questions.
1: Mm. Yeah. You know, gender is weird. (laughs) It's it's, it's one of the greatest scams next to uh, race. Yeah. It's, It's been made up and it is also used as one of the major tools of oppression and violence. And um, I like starting there because I don't, you know, there's there's a lot that can be said in this conversation. There's a lot that I have heard in this conversation. And I just want for folks to know that there is, first of all, we've been out here. Like gender variant folks, people who are not cisgender have been here since the beginning of time.
0: So yes. Um, yes.
1: <laughs> and and that feels really important for me to say, especially because of this conversation we just had about ancestors. Like I know for a fact that I have queer ancestors, and I know for a fact that I have gender variant ancestors or or folks who do not identify. Um, with the the gender that they were assigned to at birth, and um, you know, as I've been thinking about my own gender journey, which I'm still on, I mean, this is still pretty new for me in terms of coming out. I came out like maybe a year ago now, and um, which isn't to say that you know, a year ago is when I discovered that I, I was non-binary, but it took a lot of it took a lot of processing, and it took a lot of space, and it took a lot of communication with my body um i think what came through for me that was such a such a big piece to <clears throat> understanding my gender was that it wasn't just about what i think about you know it wasn't something that my mind could understand i didn't even really have language for it but i knew how it felt in my body and I made the decision to, you know, as I was in this, this very messy process of being like, well, I am 33 years old and it's, people don't come out this, this late and all these other narratives and stories that I had about who is allowed to call themselves non-binary, who is allowed to call themselves trans, what does that look like, like what, what should that look like? Um, I really did the best that I could and I'm still, I'm still doing this, it's a process to, to silence the mental chatter that I have around what I think my gender is and what I think my gender should be and all these stories and all of it. And just to sink into my body and to feel into my belly and into my heart space. And like, what really resonates with me there? Like when I think about my gender, when it comes to my body, there's no question, it's, it's not about like what, what it is or what it could be. It is like, oh, that, it is what it is. So, so much of my own gender experience is somatic. It, it, is, um, it is embodied for me. And I feel like I've been able to reclaim and recognize who I am within my gender because of this deeper connection that I've been creating with my sensuality and with my sensual body and um, also just like peeling back the layers of uh, shame and ignorance and um, even colonialism around what gender is and what gender can look like. Um, Yeah, I'm not sure if I answered your question. (laughs) I just kind of like went (laughs) off, but, but yeah, that's what's coming up right now.
0: Yeah, you totally answered my question. And, you know, as you were talking, I just, what came up was that, you know, for many folks, I feel just the work of sensuality and also embodiment um, and reclamation, there's a lot of fear, right, that Mm. can arise and that fear can stem from non-belonging, feeling like they're not going to belong, like, because okay, I've been assigned this gender. I've been told this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to like get married to a cis man. And that's all the things I'm supposed to do. It's laid out for me. And then when we add on race, right? As, you know, folks with black bodies, they, for some people, what I've heard is that they don't want to add all of these additional layers of, of mm. identities. Because they feel like they already are getting like the short, of, short end of the stick, you know, putting that in quotes. And when really this journey is about liberation, and so yeah. much of this work is about liberation. So, can you just speak a little bit to, to liberation and why and how it's connected to, to your work? Yeah,
1: I I actually really resonate with what you were saying just now about like, oh God, I have to come out again. (laughs) (laughs) I was just experiencing that when I kind of like quote unquote came out being on the A spectrum. Like I I I I have a, a really strange relationship with this concept of coming out. Um I understand why folks do it. I understand why we have to do it in in some senses because of this. Culture that we live in um, that you know pretty much puts upon us like this is who you should be and if you don't fit that model then then you are other and so there's that that sense of like oh I need to make sure that y'all know that I'm not you know going with with the flow or um, or you know that that I that I'm different or that that I'm off an authentic version of me that there's not just one version of me. So I get that. And then on the other hand, I also have felt like, oh my God, there's like, there's so many intersections that I occupy. And that can feel really, for me, it's, it's felt a little overwhelming. You know, it's like the more that I find out about myself, the more that I liberate myself, uh, the more I realize just how marginalized I am. And that marginalization is not just like, cool, we're a part of a, a, a club of, of a select few people, it's also, that means that marginalization means that I am more likely to experience violence and I'm more likely to experience microaggressions um, and other forms of isms and systems of oppression that folks not within these identities um, would not face. And so there's something very annoying about that, you know? And mostly I'm not annoyed at, I'm not annoyed at the identities that I hold, the many, many identities and intersections that I occupy. I'm mostly annoyed at at this world that we live in that makes it so that we have to um, be very open. No, we don't have to be open, but that that we have to we have to fight for ourselves so hard. You know that we have to. Yeah, that we have to fight for ourselves so hard, and. Um, yeah, if the if the world were different, if if there was a little bit more variance in terms of the way that the world sees us, sees black folks, sees trans folks, sees people who desire sex in a different way, I don't think that there would be this need to have conversations about coming out. Um, so yeah, but I will say because there there is a but like. As, as much as it annoys me, I, I was actually thinking about like, oh wow, what, I'm 34, what else am I gonna come out as? And when I'm 35, like what other coming out experiences am I going to have? And rather than seeing that as like a daunting, annoying thing, I'm like, wow, I get, I get to make myself, you know, like I get, to, I get to choose who I wanna become in a way that feels authentic to me. And what a gift it is to be in the world that we live in, in this time that we live in now, where there is much more language and um, there is more community. That we have the internet, so we're able to connect with folks whose experiences are like ours. Uh, that's a really beautiful thing. So I don't want to get too like too negative about it because you know it's it's both ends. You know, it's it's a frustrating thing to experience. But on the other hand, like the closer that I get to myself, it's, I think it's inevitable. I'm going to, um, I'm going to continue to liberate myself and claim identities, words, meanings, expressions of myself that are counter to, I think what the larger culture um, has impressed upon me, you know, like being assigned female at birth, what that means. is not what I am actually doing, and that is an act of liberation. It's also an act of um, resistance as well.
0: Yeah, there's um, so much goodness in what you shared, and you know, it it just makes me think about in reclaiming who we truly are, our identities, everything, all the different parts of us. Where we are also breaking down the hierarchies right? Because Ooh. the hierarchies are saying you have to be this, right? So if you're, if they're able to, the, the, the powers that be are able to quickly identify you and push you in a box, then it's like, you're in this box. But right. when we are able to reclaim, no, I'm actually on, I'm a spectrum of so many different things. It's actually breaking down. I literally see like, it's the ladder and it's like mm. breaking that ladder. And we're, you know, hopefully, you know, coming into more of a circle opposed yes. to being in this hierarchies where we're, where we're so many different things. We're not just one thing. Um, so thank you for, for sharing all of that. Mm, yeah. Um, well, something that you mentioned a few times, um, here was that, um, I, I read the recent article art. um, Atlantic article that was penned Mm. by Angela Chen, who's also the author of Ace. And um, she shared in that, or they shared in that article about you. And so I want to read a little bit about that. Um, Mm. For years, Whitney tried to fix her low desire by reading sex advice books, which told her to be confident, wear lingerie, and keep saying yes to sex. She didn't want in order to activate the lusty goddess within her own experience Mm. with cultural hangups made whitney sensitive to how they might affect clients and lead her to believe that if a client had like her absorbed a rigid view of sexuality they might mistakenly think they were asexual or ace so you share more about your journey um, of being on the A spectrum, I'd love for you to share about what that is. Some people might not have ever heard of what is the A spectrum. Um, yeah, and your journey with that. Yeah, I'm happy to. Um, this is this is a topic
1: that is so interesting to me, and um, I always get a little a little excited to talk about it because I feel like. The, the information that we've heard about folks who identify as asexual has been so limited and so wrong. <laughs> uh, and so even for me, you know, I've, I'm a sex educator, I've been doing this work for almost 11 years and I'm just now understanding what it means to be asexual and that there is an asexual spectrum. So I think when a lot of people hear the word asexual, they hear someone who does not have sex who hates having sex, who is repulsed by sex, and has no desire to have sex whatsoever. And there are certainly ace people who experience that. There's definitely um, ace folks who have that experience, and there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, But that's not all that there is. You know, we live in such a black and white world. It's either this or it's that. There's no room for a, a spectrum experience. There's no room for us to fall on um, on that spectrum. It's either you love having sex and you have it all the time, or you don't have sex at all and that means that you hate it. And that was one of the reasons why my sexual liberation journey was so fraught because I was having issues with understanding how I desired, and there wasn't a lot of information out there at the time that would say like, oh, it's okay if you desire differently. Not everyone is going to desire the same way. Just like not every single person looks the same. Not every single person experiences grief in the same way. Like we have an understanding of that. Um, that, That can also be applied to gender. That can also be applied to um, sexual orientation and that can also be applied to the way that we, we desire sexually. Um, when I started my work, I was met with a lot of information about like, oh, well, you know, if you really, really love to have sex, you'll be having it all the time and you'll have an insatiable desire for it. And there won't be any insecurity about it, or there won't be a lack of curiosity about it. like it. It would just, it was very all or nothing. And I was sort of in the middle sometimes. Um, And what that did for me was that, like, oh, if I'm in the middle, I have to pick a side. And obviously, nobody wants to pick the asexual side, um, which is like, you hate having sex, you will not have sex. And so I think a lot of us try to come to that other side of the spectrum and we do everything that we can to be the happy, healthy, sex-obsessed individuals that I think our culture really wants for us to be and is constantly telling us we should be. Um, And yeah, for me, realizing that I was ace, realizing that I was on the ace spectrum, again, another piece of my liberation that allowed me to come home to myself, that allowed me to be authentically who I was without any shoulds, without the dominant culture telling me um, how I should express myself. And for the first time, probably ever, um, as as a sexual adult, I have found so much peace in my sexuality. I have, I feel like a lot more, mm, I feel a lot more at ease. Like I'm not worried so much if like, today I don't have any desire for sex. Like it's, it's, not, it's not that big of a deal. Um, and so I found a lot of liberation in, in being, and in, in knowing more about the, the ace spectrum, um, knowing more that asexuality is on a spectrum and that it's okay to desire differently, that there's nothing wrong with you if uh, the way that you desire sex doesn't look like the way that you were taught that you should desire sex. Um, and yeah, it's, it's been really interesting for me to, to peel those layers back to define what that means for me and how that informs my work now. Um, and for me, I think I've always skewed toward sensuality, like toward being in your body and toward being in your pleasure from the very beginning, because that was something that I, I understood and something that I had more of a connection to more so than I did with my sexuality because as I said before my sexuality was really fraught um and so even now as I'm as I'm having this conversation with you it's like realizing that my that that propensity toward sensuality and having sensuality and pleasure and body connection be kind of like the foundation of the work that I do I'm like of course I've been ace this whole time (laughs) because (laughs) I mean it just makes sense you know um so yeah it's it's been really it's been it's really it's been really fun actually to to think about my sexuality in this new way. And, um, and to also be a possibility model for other folks who, um, who are looking to me and, and see themselves in me. Like when, when I, when I told folks that I was on the A spectrum and when that piece in the Atlantic came out, I got flooded with so many comments and emails and DMs from people saying like, wow, thank you. Now I know for a fact that I am ace and I don't feel ashamed about it. Like I can actually claim it for myself. So the result of my liberation means that I'm also helping to liberate others, which is always is always such a beautiful thing. It's one of my favorite parts of the work that I do.
0: Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I, I just feel when when I saw that, it was just it's just breaking all all stigmas, right? And there's this part of um, sensuality, sexuality that is not talked about. And you know, if someone identifies on the ace spectrum, it's like, oh no, that means you're broken, right? Because mm-hmm. there's this narrative of being broken in our society, and and to see it as more of no. This is liberating and there's a spectrum and it's okay to be your, your full self. Um, Right. And, you know, I think that brings me to thinking about there's so many stereotypes, especially for black folks when it comes to sensuality, sexuality. And I feel like you've given so much, advice so far around how we can reclaim our sensual selves, but is there a practice that you particularly love um, that you might want to share with with folks? Oh man, there's so many. There's so, so many. Get your book, Um, right? Your book. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah, I mean, there's so many. A lot of them I I packed into my book, Sensual Self, um, which is a guided journal. Um, it's, It's not meant to be read and put on your bookshelf. It's meant for you to take out a pen, explore prompts and explore the practices and write down your own experience of them. Uh, Because so much of my own work has been um, about self-inquiry and holding space for myself to to ask these interesting and important questions to excavate the truths and the authentic pieces of me. So Sensual Self for me is, is a book that marries the way that I love to teach and also the way that I love to learn about myself. Um, so that's one thing I, I, I say that as a resource for folks who are like, okay, I just like, I want to dive in, like, I'm ready to do the work. I'm ready to get involved. Um, but for now, um, I, one, one exercise that I love to give to clients, to students and something that I've actually been exploring recently, um, is this, this concept of like really tuning into the body. And sinking into um, to what the body is feeling, sensing and experiencing. And one of the biggest pieces of sensuality is that in order to experience it, you have to slow the fuck down. Like there's no way that you can experience sensuality <laughs> when you're moving 50 miles per hour, going from one thing to the next, like you have to carve out time, even if it's five minutes a day where you are slow with yourself, where you're in your body, in your breath and you're able to just like be for a few moments. Um, And so one practice that I love to explore is telling folks to take five minutes, 10 minutes out of their day, maybe in the morning or the evening, take out a yoga mat, they can also do this in their bed, lie flat on your back, put one hand on your belly, one hand on your heart, close your eyes and just be with your body. Just breathe and be with your body. And it's not about trying to Find anything. It's not about trying to do anything. It is literally just about tuning in and listening and seeing what comes up in your body, seeing what comes up in your emotional body, your sensual body, you know, what you're sensing, hearing, seeing, tasting, um, seeing what comes up in, in your mind, what thoughts are coming up. Um, you can incorporate some breath work here too, just some gentle inhales through the nose and exhales out the mouth, uh, that are slow and steady and deep in the low belly. Um, and again, you only have to do this for five minutes, 10 minutes. And after you're done, you know, just make note of what's coming up, take out a journal and jot down a few, a few notes. Like what, what was your body telling you? Um, what, what thoughts were coming up into your mind? What resistance were you feeling? to to sit and be with yourself in this way. Um, And try to devote yourself to doing this practice every day and see what comes through. Um, I've noticed that when I give this as an assignment to clients of mine, the first few days, they're like, man, this is really hard, did not wanna do this. The whole time, it was really difficult for me to tune in. My brain was super chatty, I just could not get into it. And then by the end of a week after they've done it for seven days, they are like, wow, my body is talking to me and my body is telling me that I need to rest or that 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 uh, like I'm having downloads about a job situation that I'm in and I'm only able to have those downloads because I finally took the time to slow down, drop in and listen. Uh, so I, I recommend it. It's really simple, but it's really powerful, uh, especially if it's something that you can uh, commit to doing you know, for a week and see how it goes, you know, if you do it for a week and you're like, this sucks, I don't like it, find something else. But um, that, that would be the, the practice that I would share for folks just as a way to help them get into their bodies and, and get into, um, yeah, the language that their body speaks. We're so, uh, we're so cut off from the literacy of the language of, of what our body speaks. And so I think that that, this practices like these helps us to tune in and um, really get literate.
0: Mm, Thank you for that beautiful practice. I will definitely be doing that. I appreciate you sharing that with us. I love that so much. Um, As we close, one of the questions I love asking folks is, um, is there a question that you wish you'd be asked, and if you don't mind, or if you'd like to, can you answer it for us? What's that question? And then can you answer it for us? (laughs) Oh, wow. I don't know if I've ever been asked this question.
1: Uh, Wow, okay, let me think, let me think. Hmm. So the question that I wasn't asked today, that I would like to answer is um, what is something that is alive for you right now within your liberation journey um, in regards to sex, uh, in regards to your sexuality, your gender, your sensuality. And the way that I would answer that is um, I'm finding that right now I'm really, really curious about what it looks like for me to be fully embodied during the sex that I'm having um, and during the intimate moments that I'm having with my partner. And one of the things that I've noticed that keeps me from being embodied is uh, trauma responses. You know, I'm not feeling safe in my body. And so I've been exploring what it looks like to bring safety to my body in moments of intimacy, which can be a trigger for me And I'm realizing that one of the ways that I am able to get more into my body is if I'm touching somebody else's body. And it's almost as though me having connection and continuity with somebody else's skin um, underneath my fingertips helps me to remember, oh, yes, you have a body too. And your body is experiencing this body as you're touching it. And um, really, it really just activates and helps me to come alive into the moment. It really just uh, sinks me into the present moment. And I've been, I've been enjoying that little, that little nugget of information because I feel like it's allowing me to tap into places of pleasure and presence that I hadn't before. Um, so now I'm realizing that, like, oh, one, one way to help me feel safe in my body one way for me to feel present in my body during intimate moments is by having contact with somebody else's body and doing that in a way that is um, really mindful, not just like, oh, I'm touching this person's body, but like, what does it feel like when I am putting my hands on this person's skin? What is the texture of their skin feel like underneath my fingertips? What does their skin look like? What's the color of their skin? Um, Yeah. Things like that. And it's, it's, it's been really interesting to explore that. I've been having a lot of fun playing around with that. And also it's, it's helping to rewrite some narratives. I think that I've had in my head about, um, doing that kind of, that kind of, uh, work. I don't want to say work, but just doing, exploring that kind of, that kind of experience within sex. It's, it's been really fun. I've been having a lot of fun with that.
0: Oh, that sounds, that sounds a lot of fun. (laughs) Yeah, it's been great. (laughs) Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Such a juicy question. Um, I guess the last thing is, can you share where folks can find you and anything you want to share about what's coming up for you?
1: Yeah. Well, people can find me so many places. Um, my website at is where you can find literally everything you need to know about me in terms of my bio, um, places to connect with me, how I work, why I do what I do. Um, I have a podcast called sensual self, which is also the title of my book. Sensual self. Um, you can find my podcast on uh anywhere you listen to podcasts. Um, and then my book, Sensual Self, comes out officially December 7th. And um you can find more information about that. Order, copy, pre-order a copy at my website, evionwhitten.com slash sensual self. And um, the other place that I am is Instagram. I mean have a love-hate relationship with that, with that platform, but you're welcome to find me there. Um, occasionally I like to, to post some stuff
0: about my own process and um, I'm at Evian.Whitney. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And I will be sure to put that in the show notes. This has been such a nourishing conversation, such a beautiful and rich conversation. Thank you so Mm. much Avion for saying yes and for just sharing with us so openly and freely and for allowing us to reclaim a bit of our sensual selves. Thank you. Mm.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me and for asking such
0: juicy questions. It was a pleasure. It really was. Thank you for listening, beloved. I'm personally inviting you to join our free podcast community over at embodiedblackgirlpodcast.com, where you'll receive a beautiful bonus that includes one of my favorite meditations and a powerful affirmation. And if you love this episode, it would mean so much if you shared it and left a written review. It helps folks find us and lets us know what's resonating with you. And of course, be sure to subscribe. Thank you to Beautiful Chorus for our gorgeous theme song, and thank you for being here. I'll talk to you soon.